This is Press Play on 89.9 KCRW. I'm Madeline Brand. Time for our weekly film reviews. We have a biopic of a reggae legend, a new Marvel movie featuring a supporting character from the Spider-Verse, and whatever it is that J-Lo is up to. So let us get loud with Katie Walsh, who reviews films for the Tribune News Service and the Los Angeles Times, and Sean Edwards, film critic at Fox 4 News in Kansas City and co-founder of the African American Film Critics Association. Welcome back, both of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Great to have you. Okay, first up, Bob Marley, One Love. It stars Kingsley Benadir in the title role, and it's directed by Reynaldo Marcus Green, who also did King Richard. You know you're a superstar. I am a superstar. You can't separate the music and the message. You see, reggae music come to unify the people. Not everyone likes what you're saying. For your own safety, you need to stop. All right, Sean, a lot happening here. The film is about the final few years of Bob Marley's life, both the big arena tours and the more intimate moments with his family. What did you think? Well, first off, I'm a huge Bob Marley fan, so I have to start off with that. So I was really excited to see this movie. And as you mentioned, it is a biopic, but it's not a cradle-to-the-grave sort of biopic. Unfortunately, I'm not a fan of biopics and movies that are portraying real people that have heavily involvement and influence from the family, because I don't believe you can actually tell the true story when family members get involved and several of the family members were involved as producers, including his son, Ziggy, his wife, Rita, and several other members. And I know that was probably necessary to secure the musical rights, but it actually impacts the storytelling. Now, Kingsley Benadire is fabulous as Bob Marley. I mean, on the surface, he seems to be a little miscast and I didn't exactly like the locked wig. It didn't, didn't kind of like look right, but he's actually a fantastic actor. And Although he does avoid singing any notes, I mean, he's still able to pull off the look and the feel and the nuances, but it tries to avoid the standard biopic tropes, but it also is hampered by a lot of the standard biopic tropes. And it, it's a fine film, but I think they left out a lot. And I do believe that Bob Marley is probably more worthy of a episodic series than a two-hour movie. And I found the movie to be kind of sh on the short end and it only clocks in at a 144 minutes. And that's that's not very long for a film. And I would have really liked to see them give us more about you know Rita Marley because she was really influential in the writing and the producing of the music. And I would suggest that you watch Kevin McDonald's excellent documentary, which came out in 2012, Marley First, mm -hmm. and not the other way around. I know this film is totally tailor-made for fans, but... If you have very limited knowledge of Bob Marley, it just doesn't really work the way it should. All right. Katie, what did you think on a scale of, let's say, Coal Miner's Daughter to Made for VH1 Def Leppard biopic? <laughs> Where does this <laughs> fall in the music movie spectrum? Wow, what a scale. I, I don't even know. <laughs> How to place it, it on that spectrum. <laughs> but yeah, no, Sean is right. It really falls prey to a lot of the cliches, which have already been parodied in, you know, Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox film with, you know, where they do a, a parody of, of music biopics. And so, you know, when you see these movies falling prey to these really cliched storytelling devices, you just sort of roll your eyes. I do think Kingsley Benadire is great. He nails the accent. 
I, I love that Reynaldo Marcus Green just like lets the Jamaican accent flow. He does not try to put subtitles on it. You just have to get along for the ride. You either understand it or you don't. You know, one thing that really frustrated me is that they don't explain at all what the political situation is, why the country is on the brink of civil war, what is going on. So it's all sort of contextless in a way that I felt really frustrating. Um, it's obviously great to hear the music. The performances are really good. Uh, it just falls prey to a lot of uh, storytelling traps that they could have avoided. Okay, one love in theaters now. Next up, we have Drift. This premiered last year at Sundance. It stars Cynthia Erivo and Alia Shawkat as two women who form a friendship when they meet on a Greek island. It's directed by Anthony Chen, and here's a bit from the trailer. I'm Callie. Jacqueline. When it's all over, you might Where are you from? Liberia. Katie, so this seems like a small, subdued film, basically starring two women forming a friendship. What did you think? It is a small and subdued film, but it is really beautiful and really moving. This is directed by Anthony Chen, who did a great film in 2019 called Wet Season. He just really has an ability to make these quiet dramas about unlikely friendships between people really compelling and very character-driven, very place-driven. I think that he's just a very patient, um, skilled filmmaker at doing these kinds of quieter films that are really compelling to watch because they're so acting driven and character driven. So I think this film is really beautiful and I'd highly recommend it. Sean, not a lot of dialogue in this movie and it seems moody, atmospheric. Talk about the performances of the two leads. Oh my goodness. I mean, where do I begin? And I, I hate to use the word flawless. And the characters were, were so authentic that the dialogue, it was so real. And the way that the story unfolds, it's, it takes time. You definitely have to have patience, but all the details are, are there. And the use of flashbacks, a lot of times filmmakers, they either overuse flashbacks or underuse flashbacks. In, in this particular film, the flashbacks really help you to piece together this heartbreaking, tragic story without without beating you over the head. It's, it's just a, such a fascinating job that, you know, this guy is able to tell this very, like, female-centric story without, you know, bastardizing any of it. It's it's just a, a brilliant film in many ways. But mm. it, it's all the acting, and it's, it's Cynthia Revo's performance. I mean... Her performance in this film is flat out better than any of the five that were nominated for Best Actress this year at the Oscars. Oh, wow. I didn't recognize her at first because she was completely stripped of all her glamour. Yeah, that was that that added to I mean, it's it's a really brave and bold performance, both physically and mentally. I mean, she she delivers it all. And I didn't recognize her either at the start of the film. Drift. You can see it at the Lemley in Santa Monica beginning tomorrow, and it's in wider release in coming weeks. Next, we have Madam Web. This is a live-action Spider-Man spinoff that stars Dakota Johnson. It's directed by S.J. Clarkson, and here's a bit from the trailer. I don't understand what's happening. I've been having visions. I knew he was going to die. I think I'm seeing the future. New York City is a whole new level of crazy these days. This is an emergency. Get off the train. That man's trying to kill you. What? 
Who are you? What is going on? Sean, what is going on here with this movie? Uh, it's called uh, Movie Studio Overreach and Lack of Understanding What Audiences <laughs> Really Want because we've now gone to the bottom of the well in terms of comic book characters and we're trying to get minor characters major feature films and that has to be stopped and it's all pretty much a mess and to say or mention any association to spider-man it's, it's really not fair because for some reason this film sort of pretends to exist in the world that spider-man doesn't exist but there are winks and nods that lean you to believe that this is sort of connected to spider-man it, it doesn't make any sense the the main thing and the good thing maybe perhaps and the only good thing about this movie is you don't need to know anything about the previous marvel cinematic universe because it can work as a true standalone story but i mean why even bother i think dakota johnson is sort of perfectly cast for this character because she sort of has this skeptical gaze that works for her character and her character is totally clueless it's a bad movie for many reasons and it's just it's lifeless it's it's unoriginal and it almost felt like this was a spoof written by the onion who finally got a feature film deal and this is what they produce because it's all <laughs> idiotic none of it makes any sense and it's it's just a complete train wreck and it's no reason to exist whatsoever Okay, Katie, Sean, it seems to be in the majority. There have been so many negative reviews. It's become a news story in and of itself. Care to pile on? God, no. This is a camp classic. And Dakota Johnson is going to troll her way to this movie having a bigger weekend than they ever oh expected. The press tour alone. I mean, I highly recommend seeing this movie because it is so hilariously funny. It is a camp classic, in my opinion. I can tell you why they made this movie, because Sony only has the rights to Spider-Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and they have to keep making spider movies in order to keep the rights. That's why we've had three oh. different Spider-Men. That's true. You mean it wasn't it wasn't a considered artistic choice? <laughs> no, she's right. She's 100% correct. No, they, it's like they're dancing as fast as they can to keep the rights to spider movies, which is why we've had... Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire and Tom Holland and all the Spider-Verse movies. It's like they have to continually keep making spider movies in order to keep the rights. But I will say this does have a connection to Spider-Man and I, I don't want to spoil it. It does take place in 2003 and there is a child born in this movie. You know, we never find out his name, but, uh, uh. you know, it might be someone who later becomes someone. Um, <laughs> and so there are a few nods to, um, Got it. you know, she's an EMT in Queens and her partner's name is Ben. So if you pick up what I'm putting down, um, this movie, it's very bad. It's, but it, Dakota Johnson, delivers every line with like a wink and a smirk and I love her for it. She's one of my favorite actresses. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not good. The writing is horrible. It's written by the guys who wrote Morbius, which I think is somehow related to Spider-Man. Anyway, the Sony Marvel movies are such train wrecks, but they are so entertaining to me. And, and those are Morbius Madam Web and Venom. I happen to be a big fan of the Venom films, which I think are also camp masterpieces. But <laughs> okay, maybe it's the showgirls of the Spider Verse. Is that what we're talking about here? Um. Wow. I get. I. I mean. Yeah. I guess you could say that. I don't know. I don't know if it's. Uh, 
I mean, Showgirls has been reclaimed as a masterpiece. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. If it, okay, cats with spiders. Yeah, maybe more like cats. But anyway, I, this is just me and my bizarre tastes uh, advocating for the good, bad charms of Madam Web. All right, if you dare, Madam Web in theaters now. Okay, our grand finale, we have This Is Me, dot, 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 now, starring Jennifer Lopez. feels like home but I left home for a reason whenever someone asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up my answer was always in love okay Katie what is this is it a biopic a music video a love letter to her you know, long lost and reclaimed love, Ben Affleck. Is it a steampunk fever dream? What is going on here? Madeline, it's all of that. It's about an hour long <laughs> and it's essentially a visual album, a very long music video, several music videos strung together with a loose plot in which Fat Joe plays her therapist <laughs> um, and then a zodiacal council um, which includes Jane Fonda, Post Malone, Kiki Palmer, Jay Shetty, Neil deGrasse Tyson, and various other people are her, like her Zodiac guides as she loves and loses and loves again and um, tries to repair her broken heart. She tells Taino legends, love legends, and um, goes to therapy and does all of these things. And it it is one of the strangest things I've ever seen in my life. And it's sort of a brilliant ploy on Jennifer Lopez's part to get people to listen to her new album. It is a very bizarre piece of work. Well, didn't we just see them in a Super Bowl commercial? What's going on? Yes. Is, yes. That some, is this some kind of synergy? Sean, what did you think? <laughs> well, first off, since you mentioned the Super Bowl commercial, the Super Bowl commercial is better than this. She's trying to create this visual album that works as sort of like her cinematic confessional. And, and she's throwing everything at it, but none of it works. But the biggest, and I mean the biggest sin in all of this is the music isn't any good. It doesn't make you move. It's not interesting. The lyrics aren't meaningful. It's just all gibberish. And we cannot go without mentioning Ben Affleck, who plays this unhinged anchor. This has to represent an all-time low for him as an actor. It was just like <laughs> insane. Basically, she owes him one, is what you're saying. Happy wife, happy life. <laughs> Look, if Jennifer Lopez clearly loves herself, and if loving yourself were an Olympic sport, Jennifer Lopez would be Simone Biles. <laughs> Well, she does have a healthy dose of self-confidence, and what's wrong with that? If you had to be locked in a room forever, let's say this is a version of hell, which one would you choose, Madam Web or This Is Me Now? Madam, Madam Web. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. This Is Me Now on Amazon's Prime video beginning tomorrow. And that does it for this week. Sean Edwards from Fox 4 News in Kansas City, co-founder of the African-American Film Critics Association. Katie Walsh reviews films for the Tribune News Service and the Los Angeles Times. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you.